The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up, I'm going to talk to John Gonzalez, senior writer for SI.com. You know the name. Longtime Philadelphia guy, was with NBC Sports Philadelphia for quite a while, and now is writing for Sports Illustrated. He had a great cover story out this week on Jalen Hurts just ahead of the Monday night game, and so we're going to talk to him about Jalen Hurts, what he talk to him about and uh, get his thoughts on what happened with the commanders and this week's opponent the Indianapolis Colts as the Phils will be traveling to the Midwest to take on a Colts team that looked a little friskier last week against the Las Vegas Raiders uh, moving to four five and one on the season under new head coach Jeff Saturday and uh, we'll discuss uh, whether or not this could be a problematic game for the Eagles with John. We'll do that coming up here in the next few minutes on Eye on the Enemy. But before we get to John, the Philadelphia Eagles deciding they needed more beef in the middle of their defensive line, which is understandable given how they've had some issues blocking the defending against the run since Jordan Davis went out. Not only did they add a huge mountain of a man in Linval Joseph earlier this week, they are also bringing in veteran free agent and Dominican Sue on a one-year contract. Uh, Jay Glazer was the first to report that this could be happening. Now they'll have Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Linval Joseph, and Dominican Sue, uh, Milton Williams in the mix as well. Some big names some guys who five years ago would have made this the most ridiculous defensive line of all time, but uh, I don't know how much these guys have left in the tank. There's, I guess the question comes down to, with Joseph and Sue, were these guys on the sidelines? Were these guys not playing in the NFL at this point in the season because it was their choice, because they didn't feel like getting involved in the rigors of a full 17-game season? Or was it because there weren't any other teams that wanted them? wanted them to be starters, and they just decided, yeah, you know what, now's a good time. We'll, we'll jump right back in. Uh, you know, these three guys are clearly past their prime, but that, you know, they can certainly still provide something in the middle of the defensive line, especially if you can, if the whole idea here is to limit Fletcher Cox's exposure and how many snaps he was getting, there's just no way they could let him keep playing that much. And so with Joseph and Sue, I think you're hoping if you can give a third of the, the, the snaps that Fletcher Cox got last week to Cox and to Joseph and to Sue and divide those up, 
Now maybe you've got something. And then maybe you don't have to play Hargrave at the nose tackle position as much as you had to in the fourth quarter. That was the only reason they were able to get anything done defensively, but was by blitzing a little bit more in the fourth quarter against Washington and and putting Hargrave at the at the nose tackle position because they just were it was they were everybody's getting blown off the ball. And it's not like they gave up a ton of yardage in the running game, but at the same time, they didn't get any pressure in the backfield. And and Joseph is not going to pressure the quarterback. I don't think Sue is at the point in his career where he's going to where he's going to uh, rush the quarterback, but you just hope that they've got enough left in the tank with just a handful of games here left in the regular season that they can provide some rotational depth at a position that the Eagles are suddenly very thin in. Now, Sue played pretty well last year for the Bucks. He played in 17 games, recorded 6 sacks, He's never missed a game due to injury in his career. Um, he's got a lot of snaps under his belt, though. Now 35 years old. We just don't know how much Indomitian has left in the tank. When when he was in his prime, boy, there, were, there wasn't anybody better than him. And he did play with Darius Slay, and Darius Slay is very optimistic about Sue and uh, him coming back and just raves about what a great teammate he is, what a great locker room presence he is, which is important. I think this Eagles team has a really strong locker room, a really strong culture that you want these new guys, especially these veteran guys who could have a larger-than-life presence. You would imagine that everybody in the locker room is looking up to Joseph and especially Sue. So you don't want to upset the apple cart. You don't want the young guys who maybe if they felt freer to talk to suddenly feel like they, they can't be as open. But I also don't think Joseph and Sue are going to come in here and try and make waves, just new with the team. They're going to be trying to get back into football shape. That's the big question is what kind of shape are these guys in? If they're able to get out on the field, how much are they going to be able to do? What kind of production will they be able to provide? Will they be able to stand up to some of the really good offensive lines? At the very least, until Jordan Davis comes back. And we're hoping that this IR stint only lasts the four weeks and that he'll be ready to go very soon upon his return. We'll have to wait and see. But in the meantime, the Eagles, Howie Roseman felt like they had to do something. As noted by NBC Sports Philadelphia, Sue ranked 86th out of 129 interior defenders graded by PFF last year. That's not great. He was 50th in their run defense grading. Joseph was 46th in their run defense grading, 82nd in their pass in their passer rating. So actually, Joseph was rated as the better run blocker last year than Sue. Sue's got the bigger name. Just please come back soon, Jordan Davis. <laughs> please come back soon. And, and Jonathan Gannon's got to get creative here. When you're down some guys, it's important. You you need you need to be flexible. You, you maybe you can't do it the way you had planned to do it. And I thought he adjusted too late last week. Jonathan Gannon adjusted too late. He waited too long to switch things up because the defense looked much better in the fourth quarter. And I think Washington got more conservative in the fourth. But now that's not even true. Washington was uber conservative the whole game. That was the whole point of their game plan was to be conservative. So we'll see. Well, joining me to talk about an excellent cover story, a daily cover story that he had on SI.com this week, profiling Jalen Hurts. It came out ahead of their Monday night loss to the Commanders. Is John Gonzalez. You know the name. He's a longtime Philly sports guy with NBC Sports Philadelphia. Now a senior writer for Sports Illustrated. Follow him on Twitter at John Gonzalez. John, welcome to Eye on the Enemy, man. How are you? Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's great to talk to you. And um, I got to ask you right off the bat, first yeah. question out of the gate, do you feel personally responsible, John <laughs> Gonzalez, that you jinxed Jalen Hurts and the Eagles on Monday night? 
man, the timing was great on that, wasn't it? I, you know, we had we had uh, eight weeks of the Eagles just dominating everybody, and on the ninth game, uh, my story dropped, and then uh, the Commanders absolutely ruined them in a game that was disgusting and, and terrible from start to finish. Yes, I take full responsibility. I think it was it was uh, above the play calling and uh, and the referees that had to be my piece. For sure, for sure, no doubt about it. The uh, the defense's inability to convert third downs, yeah. you know, uh, that certainly is a, a a minor issue compared to what you wrote. Um, you know, it's funny. It, you watched this game, and it was a really tough game to watch. It was it was a long slog. It was pretty brutal. But um, at the end of the game, you know, you just as you watch those two teams, and you watch the Commanders literally grind mm. and scrape and claw for every yard and every point. It seemed like so much work for them to get down the field and convert. And then those times when the Eagles did decide just to kind of step on the gas a little bit, you can see the talent difference between the two teams. You could see, even as the Eagles were trying to come back late, they don't fumble those two balls away. They're moving the ball at will down the field. They're winning that game by by double digits if they don't get some bad fumble luck and the refs things don't go against them. They didn't deserve to win, but as you watch that game, to me, I felt like the talent level was was pretty clear that the Eagles were the was were a far more talented team and that you played this game 99 times out of 100, the Eagles probably win. Yeah, unfortunately that one time happened on Monday, right? Yes. I mean, like <laughs> there were so many things that went into that and and you mentioned a bunch of them that we can unpack, but you know, they couldn't get off the field on third down. The commanders converted, I don't know, feels like all of their third downs. It just, yeah. uh, the time of possession was brutal. It made me think of Chip Kelly, you know, well, it doesn't Ugh. matter how, how fast you score as long as you score, but we know that that's not the case, right? Because yes, they scored quickly to start the game and I thought it was going to be an absolute domination, but then they couldn't get the ball back. Um, yeah. And then, and then on top of that, you add the insult to injury with the referees and, and especially the one on Goddard where he gets driven into the turf by his face mask and ends up fumbling on a play that should have been a flag that they can't review because there's no mechanism for it, which was made it even worse That's when they so were stupid. reviewing it. Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. So they're reviewing it over and over again. And the only thing that anybody uh, in the country outside of Washington, D.C. is seeing is a blatant face mask penalty. But then, of course, they're just reviewing it for the spot and whether or not it was a, a fumble. So, you know, that was just a brutal game. And I, and I think you're right. If you play it multiple times, the Eagles probably come out on top. But that's one you just have to go, man, you flush it and you move on. Yeah, that's one of those games when you're playing the computer in Madden and you know you're in a, playing a game they're not going to let you win yeah. and you have to hit the reset button. You hit button, the reset right? button on that one, yeah. Yeah, right. But just get no reset button in, on this one. I want to talk to you about your your story on Jalen Hurts because I think it's a really good point that you made. You wrote about how the city of Philadelphia has transitioned from being a city that was highly skeptical of Hurts. Mm -hmm. And I am, am one of those people who was highly skeptical of Hurts. I, I did nothing... I did nothing but kill the draft pick for the first couple of years because I still think the process was wrong in how and in, in how and when and why they drafted him. But we, he has play, played so well this year that the city has transformed from being a guy that they that they had no confidence in and were ready to move on from this offseason to one that is seemingly unquestionably sure that he's their franchise guy. Can you talk a little bit about that that transformation of the fan base and how Jalen Hurts has managed to pull this off? Yeah, I mean, look, last year was a weird year for him, right? I mean, there were moments where he he showed flashes and then there were moments when he very much didn't. And I think like Going into the playoff game last year, most people would have said, okay, yeah, give him another shot. And then after the playoff game, I think a lot of people were all of a sudden rescinding that, right? Where they, where the game, the playoff game was so bad 
that yeah. it made people wonder, I don't know, maybe how he does have to look at somebody in the draft, or maybe he should look at acquiring somebody. And to Howie's credit, and I think part of this was born from the fact that uh, Jalen Hurts' contract is so beneficial to the, to the team that they were able to go out and use that money that they weren't allocating to the quarterback position to go out and grab other players. But to Howie's credit, he kept uh, Jalen around, and Jalen's been gangbusters with the exception of this one pass game against Washington. So it's really worked out great. But, you know, I think some people outside of Philadelphia would see that oscillation by the fan base and the media on whether or not Hertz was the guy as maybe being like typical fickle Philadelphia. I don't see that at all. I see it as being discerning, right? Where you, yeah. you, We didn't know if he was going to be the guy. There needed to be more proof. There needed to be um, like a further evaluation of whether or not he could be the guy full full stop long term. And I think this season he's proven without a doubt the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. They put more talent around him. You bring in AJ Brown, um, you get a better defense around him and and suddenly and he just he does. He looks more comfortable throwing the football. And that's the one thing that we needed to see with him was can he throw the ball over the middle? Can he hit the deep ball a little bit more? accurately can he make quicker decisions or you know we saw we've we've seen when he's not playing well he drops his eyes he gets sacked in the backfield he runs too quickly we haven't seen that from him this year we saw it a couple of times on monday night but generally speaking he's just he's looked like a totally different guy so that's the on the field improvements which are easy for everyone to see but as you talked with Hertz for this story and you've talked to some of his teammates, you know, you go back to his time in college. Everything you hear about this guy is between the ears. He's everything you could ever want in a quarterback. And I imagine that's probably the impression that you got when you were talking to him, even as he's going through this unprecedented run of eight. No, he's got this consecutive games winning streak that was ended on Monday night. But leading into it, he's this is you could very easily see a guy reading his own press and smelling himself. And it doesn't seem like. Jalen Hurts is wired that way. Is that a is that a fair assessment? Yeah, almost the opposite, right? It's it's like he's so dialed in on on the task at hand and the business component. It's almost cliche, you know. The way that I wrote it was, you like he's on top of the world, but he's not allowing himself to enjoy the view right now. At which I guess is part of the production and and the fact that he's playing so well, right? That he he's really focused on all that stuff. I did talk to somebody who. Uh, familiar with the locker room situation who said, and I thought this was a really great way to put it, that Jalen, it's not even just that Jalen is the alpha in the locker room, because he obviously is. It's that he wants everybody to know that he's the (laughs) alpha in the locker room. And again, maybe that's like part and parcel of the success, right? I mean, it's certainly working for him. It is. And I think that was one of the criticisms we saw with with Carson was that Carson, nobody would really come out and say, this is a bad guy, but he just didn't connect. He had a hard time connecting with a, a lot of the different players on the team. And, you know, maybe there were favorites that he had, favorite teammates that he liked to hang with. And maybe there was a feeling that some other players were siloed because of that. It might not have been anything intentional. Jalen Hurts seems to be a guy that... And correct me if I'm wrong, everybody in the locker room, offense, defense, special teams, coaching staff, everybody universally loves this guy and thinks that this guy can be their franchise guy. Is that your sense also from inside the team that they're, they, they, they believe that Jalen Hurts is going to be their guy? He, they're going to hitch their wagons to him long term? It certainly seems that way, right? I mean, I, I'm not around the team uh, all the time like I used to be when I lived in Philly, but parachuting right. in as you know, a national guy to do a story about the piece. I asked a lot of the, the people that I used to cover the team with, uh, people who uh, in, are in that building all the time. And then also just anecdotally from talking to other players about him, uh, nary a bad word is said, right? I mean, like everybody seems like really on board with him. 
chief among them, AJ Brown, right? I mean, you ask AJ about him and he just gushes about those two guys getting to play together. And Jason Kelsey's another guy who says that um, obviously Hertz is uh, the guy who's leading the locker room and he's had a really good season. And as he goes, so goes the team. And, and again, the one uh, game accepted right after I wrote that story, he's been great. <laughs> he's been excellent. Yeah. Well, we mentioned that the Eagles, they, they lose that game on, on Monday night, just kind of not their night, but also that Dallas Goddard injury. Yeah. Um, they're going to be missing him for at least four games that uh, placed on injured reserve and really at a position the one of the few positions on this team where they, they don't have a lot of depth here. And so he's an integral part of this offense. He's a security blanket for Jalen hurts. Offensively. He's a guy who can move the sticks. He's that dependable receiver who can actually get a big play for you too. He's got a lot of, I think he's second on the team in plays of 20 yards or more, which is unusual for a tight end after the way they played kind of seemingly coming out, playing flat, the defense getting pushed around a little bit. The first three quarters, Dallas Goddard's injury. What's your level of concern with this team right now? Do you get the sense that they're maybe in danger of hitting a rough patch or do you think Monday night was more of a, just a blip on the radar? I think a blip. Uh, I certainly would have gone blip if, if Goddard hadn't gotten hurt, but right. for all the reasons you just outlined, I mean, he is a, an integral part of the offense, right? And he, He's a guy that you can go to when you need just a possession. Uh, when you want to move the chains, uh, short yardage situations, he does have that big play capability as well. And he was a big, big part of that passing offense and one of the best tight ends in the NFL. And it's just such a killer that he he gets, uh, you know, again, not to like I'm not the guy who, you know, harps on refs, but that was yeah. such a brutal miss. Now the play's yeah. going to happen whether they call the flag or not, right? The play, right. He not, gets hurt no matter what. He's in getting that play. hurt That's, no matter yeah. what. But it's just like insult to injury that he gets hurt, and on top of that, they end up losing the game, uh, yeah. partly as a function of the refs blowing that call. So it's just a bummer all the way around. So my level of concern is yes, that's not great. Now the good thing is the schedule is the schedule, and the schedule is really, really favorable for them. I mean, like yeah. you, you can look at it. Uh, you know, there's nobody in there that scares you. Uh, and, and it's been that way all year. And, and earlier in the season, there were people going, oh, well, the Eagles haven't beaten anybody. Well, you know, it's the old Parcells thing. You, you play the teams that are on your schedule, and so far they've beaten most of them. So I think on that part, that's a, that's a comfort. Yeah, the schedule certainly helped them. The one thing that worries you, I mean, they got the Colts and the Packers coming up. They're going to have to play the Cowboys and the Giants again. Uh, they've had an issue stopping the run. Yeah. Uh, Washington didn't do a great job running the ball. I mean, they only averaged, I think, 3.3 yards per attempt from their running backs, but they did enough yeah. to keep the to keep themselves on the field. And as you look ahead to this week against the Colts, Jonathan Taylor is probably the best running back in the NFL. If not, he's certainly the top two or three. Uh, and, uh, Jeff Saturday is the only undefeated coach in the NFL. So yeah, to, yeah. take that into consideration, right? Want to know this feels like a dangerous game to me. And even though this is a game, the Eagles are favored by, I think it was a touchdown last I saw by seven point spread. I think, uh, this, this does feel kind of like a dangerous game and a dangerous place on Sunday afternoon. I think we'll get a real good sense to how good this team is and what kind of leadership they have in the locker room, how, how Jalen hurts bounces back from, a really disappointing loss on a short week against a team like the Colts who, who could be frisky with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, they could be, they could be. I mean, um, and you mentioned short week, so there are some impediments there. And again, they're missing Goddard. Uh, but you know, the Colts don't scare me. The Packers don't scare me. I think when you talk about, uh, the division, that's more, mm -hmm. um, that's more prob potentially problematic because, uh, 
for whatever reason, the NFC East has been really good this year. Bizarre. Uh, yeah, it really is because, you know, um, individually, I don't think any of those teams, you know, Eagles accepted are world beaters. And yet uh, they've had some success this season. So, you know, the Cowboys. Well, John, you know, what's, you know, it's crazy. All the quarterbacks are the same. Yeah. It's not like it's not like any of these teams went out and got themselves a, mm-hmm. a Russell Wilson or whoever else. It's the same quarterbacks from last year. It's bizarre. Yeah, it is bizarre. Um I've, I'm look. I'm a traditionalist. I've always loved the NFC East, so it's good to see the NFC East on the rise. But for the Eagles, that does create potential problems, right? Because those division games are always difficult. And now you yeah. do have like a pluckier Cowboys team, and then like a Giants team that I just still don't understand how they're doing it. It feels like <laughs> complete and utter smoke and mirrors to me. But you are what your record says you are, and so those two teams could be a little tricky. But yeah, first thing first, uh, you got to get past the Colts. Well, for everybody listening, I highly suggest you check out John's story on Jalen Hurts. There's a lot of great quotes in there. If you're a Hurts fan, it's it's a great read. Um, check him out on Twitter at John Gonzalez. Uh, you can find all his work for Sports Illustrated if you hit up his timeline there. John, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy, man. I really appreciate it. John, really enjoyed it. Thanks, man. Well, up next, I'm going to break down the Colts and really the up and down, topsy turvy, tumultuous season that they have been having having in Indianapolis. The first team this year to fire. Their head coach, uh, long-time former Eagles uh, offensive coordinator Frank Reich. Uh, Kind of surprising how that all went down, but uh, we'll talk about the Colts and what they've been up to coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back on Eye on the Enemy. So let's talk a little bit about the Indianapolis Colts. They are 4-5-1, and one, coming off a 25-20 to 20 win over a Raiders team that has looked way worse than anybody was expecting. I think there are people talking about Derek Carr as an MVP candidate, and this is not Derek Carr's fault. They, they've just got a lot of problems there in Las Vegas, but uh, they've been terrible, and the Indianapolis Colts handled them pretty well. It was Jeff Saturday's first game since taking over for Frank Reich, and the quarterback situation is what everybody has been talking about there, because with Reich, under Reich, it had been all over the place. Matt Ryan, who they signed, or they traded for in the offseason to replace Carson Wentz, had a very up-and-down first few games. He was benched by Reich after a loss to the Tennessee Titans in Week 7. 
he suffered a, a shoulder injury in the game before that, but Reich said that even if he hadn't suffered the shoulder injury, that they would have gone to his backup, Sam Ellinger. However, the Colts dropped the next two games, not surprisingly, with Ellinger as the starter. And so, you know, you, you, drop, you, drop, uh, um, you drop Ryan, you fail with Carson Wentz, you can't get anything going, there's high expectations. Jim Irsay says goodbye to Frank Reich, and then interim coach Jeff Saturday steps in last week, and initially he announced that Ellinger would remain the starter. But... As then you saw Matt Ryan warming up with the first team before the game against the Raiders on Sunday. And so obviously at some point Saturday had a change of heart and Matt Ryan responded with one of his better games of the season. He went 21 for 28 for 222 yards, one touchdown. He did not throw an interception and put up a passer rating of 109.5. He has had three other games this year with a rating over 100, but he had been very inconsistent. Matt Ryan had here in 2022 with an 86.8 rating this year. He'd been completing 68.9% of his passes, but nine interceptions, second most in the NFL behind only Josh Allen's 10 interceptions, 10 touchdowns to nine INTs. That is not a good touchdown to interception ratio. Now, what Ryan did last week that was different was he got the ball away out of his hands very quickly. I think it was like 2.3 seconds release time last week. Very, very quick not allowing the, the the Raiders' defensive line to get to him and gave his offensive line, which has been under tremendous pressure this year. They've had a lot of problems up front. Didn't allow the defense to expose that. And so he got the ball out quick. So you're not going to see Matt Ryan going down the field, which could be a problem. The Eagles don't want to give up the big play, but they love giving up the six, seven, eight-yard pass receptions, even on second and eight. On second and eight, the Eagles love to give up six yards. <laughs> they just, nothing they love more than on second and eight, second and nine, giving up a seven to eight yard pass and setting up third and one. Um, and that's kind of where Matt Ryan and the Colts offense is living right now. So it, it kind of sets up for, for what the Eagles are willing to give up, what they're willing to do, and what the Colts are wanting to do. I think you're going to see a very similar game plan as what we saw with the Commanders this week. Um, the Eagles' defensive line, specifically the edge rushers, they haven't been doing enough regardless. Josh Sweat, I think, has been the better edge rusher so far for the Eagles this year. But again, nothing spectacular. We haven't seen much from Hassan Reddick in, in terms of sacks over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot from Brandon Graham. Uh, we have seen nothing from Robert Quinn since he got here. Again, a big name. The Eagles didn't give up a ton to get him, but a big name that... Hadn't graded out well this year for the Chicago Bears, but you just kind of thought to yourself, ah, it's the Bears. He's not really playing all that hard. He doesn't really want it. Well, maybe he's not Maybe he's not the guy anymore. Maybe he's not who we thought he was. And there's a reason Chicago was willing to let him go. So you've got edge rushers that haven't been getting home, and you had defensive tackles that without Jordan Davis had not been getting home with the exception of Hargrave. The defensive line has been a big issue for this Eagles team, and I think they should match up well against a struggling Colts offensive line. The Colts offensive line has largely been terrible this year. But last week, Matt Ryan got the ball out very, very quickly, and so it's going to be difficult, I think, for the Eagles to generate sacks on Matt Ryan. Now, can they get the pressure up the middle? Can they at least hurry him? It's hard to hurry a guy who's getting the ball out pretty quickly to begin with when he's in a hurry anyway. So, again, it's not... It's not a great formula for success for this Eagles defensive line to rack up the sacks. 
And the most dangerous player on this Colts team, specifically on the offense, is Jonathan Taylor. Ran for 147 yards on 22 carries last week against the Raiders. Also rushed for a touchdown. Now, the Eagles got Sue and Joseph this week to help Hargrave and Cox and Williams and the rest of the defensive tackles try and put a stop to what Jonathan Taylor did. The linebackers, specifically TJ Edwards and Kaiser White, are also going to need to be more assertive in the run game. I think you saw TJ Edwards hang back a little bit, not attacking the way I think you would want him to in the run game. But maybe that's maybe that's just part of the passivity of Jonathan Gannon's defense as a whole. TJ Edwards waiting to see if teams are going to be bringing people out of the backfield, just trying to make sure that he he doesn't overcommit and miss a tackle, allowing a four-yard run to become a nine-yard run or a 12-yard run. If I understand that line of thinking, that mentality, but I think you're going to need to be, and I think you're going to see the linebackers be a little bit more aggressive. It's just one of the ways they were flat last week. If you look for looking for a real-world example of the Eagles defense playing flat, it's, it's when your linebackers are just kind of standing, waiting for the play to come to them instead of attacking the ball. And so we'll see if they're able to fill those gaps a little bit more in this game. And hopefully, again, Sue and Joseph just signed. Who knows how much run they're going to get this week at defensive tackle. But really all you need them to do is be a big body clogging up the middle. And so maybe you see Indianapolis do more of a zone running game or maybe moving moving the ball trying to run outside the tackles a little bit more. The thing the thing about Jonathan Taylor is he can do it all. Now he has not had a great year this year. 609 yards on the ground, averaging 4.7 yards per carry. That's pretty good. But only two touchdowns this year. And last week was only the second time this season he's gone over 100 yards on the ground. The only other time was on opening day when he went into overtime that tie to start off the season. Other than that, he has he's only gone over 70 yards rushing twice. Other than that, he's been under 70 yards in the rest of his games. I really think the Eagles have to hold Taylor to under 100 yards in this one. If they can do that, the Eagles are going to win this game because I think they still have a big matchup advantage in the secondary against their wideouts. Now, I think Avante Maddox was as much missed last week as Jordan Davis was, especially on some of those third down plays over the middle. I, I don't know if, if that was part of the reason Slay was having some issues with uh, Terry McLaurin, but um, ter- I, Darius Slay needs a bounce back game because they, 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 you know, Indianapolis has Michael Pittman. They have Alec Pierce. They have Paris Campbell. These guys can all catch the ball. They might not be the same kind of a threat that Terry McLaurin is, or that Justin Jefferson was, but we saw we saw Slay shut down, and Slay and Bradbury have shut down opponents' passing games seemingly whenever they've wanted to this year, and they love getting interceptions and turnovers. Chauncey Gardner Johnson as well. They these guys have been hunting for the picks all season. Matt Ryan has thrown a ton of interceptions this year. That could be a big key to this game. Is this ball hawking secondary getting another couple of picks from Matt Ryan in this one? Because if they can shut down Jonathan Taylor a little bit, you're going to force Matt Ryan to have to throw the ball on you. Now, without Avante Maddox around, it, you know you can't do quite as much if you're Slay and Bradbury, but that still should be an advantage here. You still have two very good cornerbacks. You definitely want to get Avante Maddox back into the lineup as quickly as possible, but you still should be able to shut down this passing game. Most defenses have shut down the Indianapolis passing game. 
Now, flipping the script a little bit, uh, let's look at the when the Eagles have the ball. Jalen Hurts, I think, had a very good game last week against the Commanders. Last week was not Jordan uh, was not Jalen Hurts' fault. The last drive was not good. Dropped his eyes, ran into a sack, and he did that a couple of times. Um, I think he was pressing a little bit. I think he was trying to do too much because he just was never on the field. I think the play calling got away from them a little bit. Uh, they were ran, running a little bit too much tempo when really they needed to chew up some clock. And then when you finally saw them start to feed the ball to Miles Sanders a little bit, the offense settled down and they started to do the RPO game and it started to work again. And Jalen Hurts made some beautiful throws, especially that that long pass to Quez Watkins. That really should have been the turning point of the game where they uh, where, where they went ahead for a, a go-ahead touchdown there. It was the turning point of the game, as it turns out. That was the point where you knew they, they weren't going to win. Uh, in order for the Eagles offense to function, I think you're going to need to see... Jordan Mailata do better than he did last year against Yannick Ngakwe. Ngakwe last year against Mailata had two sacks, made four tackles, hit the quarterback twice, and batted down two passes. Remember, the Raiders beat the Eagles last season. Mailata had all kinds of trouble with Ngakwe. Ngakwe, in fact, was one, uh, was named AFC Defensive Player of the Week after going up against Mailata. Mailata had a, a hugely successful season last year. The Ngakwe game was really the one black eye. He gave up seven total pressures and a sack in that game, according to Pro Football Focus. He had a pass-blocking grade of 28.7, which was the lowest of his career. So we'll see if Jordan Mailata can bounce back against Ngakwe. Uh, you don't have, you know, you could maybe use Jack Stahl a little bit to help with pass-blocking, maybe, you're, if you're going to chip or use a second guy on Ngakwe. Uh, you might give Jordan Mailata a little bit of help. You normally don't need to give him any help, but... Uh, you might see you might see Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni do that a little bit, but Mylotta really has to keep Ngakwe off of Jalen Hurts' back and allow Jalen Hurts to stand in the pocket and find his receivers downfield. It's going to be the the key to this game is going to be how the Eagles' offense functions without Dallas Goddard. You talk about a huge loss. Dallas Goddard has been eating against everyone. And now you're going to see Zach Paschal, I think, have to get more involved in the passing game. Going up against his former team, this could be a, a big Zach Paschal game where you're using a lot of four wideouts in the absence of, of Dallas Goddard. Like I mentioned a minute ago, you might need to have a tight end on the field to help you with Ngakwe, but I don't think the Eagles want to do that a whole lot. So you might see more four wides. You might see the running backs get more involved in the passing game. You might see the screen game more with the running backs, maybe utilize them on some wheel routes and stuff like that. They're going to have to figure it out because Dallas Goddard was such an important part of this offense. And if you want a reason why the Colts have been struggling this year, it hasn't really been the defense. Overall, as a team, the Colts DVOA is 31st in the NFL. This is a this is a team the Eagles should absolutely beat. But it's that's because... The offense's DVOA is dead last in the NFL, 32nd overall. Defensively, they're 11th. So, you know, they, 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 their, their defense has played better than their offense. They, they are nearly a top 10 defense in terms of DVOA. Now, some people, you know, you could take DVOA with a grain of salt if you want to, but um, the Eagles' offense is going to have to do a little bit more than they did last week against Washington, and they're going to have to do it without Dallas Goddard, and they're going to have to do it with Jordan Mailata keeping Yannick Ngakwe away from Jalen Hurts. But I, I don't have any doubt that Jalen Hurts is going to play well. Um, I, I this, you know, Jeff's, I, I think one of the big questions is with this Colts team, how much will they rally around their new head coach, Jeff Saturday? Is this a situation like we saw with the Phillies and Rob Thompson or was last week 
just kind of like a let's hey we got we win one for the new guy the new guy fires everybody up you know fires the offensive lineup fires the defense up and now you're you know you're coming home you're, you got that win and maybe you, you suffer a little bit of a letdown was last week an inspired week and they returned to mush this week I think you also you know have to look at the Philadelphia Eagles playing uh, it's a short week for them as I mentioned with John just a second ago you're on the road against an AFC team a team you don't see very often uh, a team where you could suffer a letdown here in this game. This could, this is, and I'll give you my prediction right now on this, because I, I think this is a tough game for the Eagles, despite the fact that the Colts have struggled this year. This feels, we, I think this game will be an indication of where the Eagles really are. As I watched them lose to the Commanders last week, I saw an Eagles team that was still, by far, the more talented team. You could just see it. It was so hard for the Commanders to move the football. And it just looked like the Eagles were on the verge of taking control of that game in the second half on multiple occasions. You could see it coming. It was, it was a formula that they had followed in, in previous games. The offense started to move the ball at will. Once they committed to the running game and got Miles Sanders going, everything started clicking. The commanders didn't have an answer for what the Eagles were doing. The Eagles lost a fumble when Dallas Goddard had his face mask grabbed and he was thrown to the ground with a 300-pound lineman on t- falling on top of him. Not his fault. Play should have been overturned. And the Eagles probably go down and they score on that drive, at least a field goal. Probably. The Quez Watkins fumble. Just fluky bad luck to not be able to hold on to that football in that spot. They're, they're scoring a touchdown on that drive, I have no doubt in my mind. So those are, those are two scoring drives that were halted. And, and then in the last drive, again, that was a terrible drive. The offense did nothing. It was awful. They, should, they shouldn't have punted, by the way. I thought punting in that spot was the wrong call. They punt that ball away. They're not winning. No matter, even, without the Brand, even if Brandon Graham doesn't get called for that penalty, they, they don't win that game. They, they really needed to go for it on that play after that Jalen Hurts sack. And I know that would have guaranteed that they lost. But I, they, I think the odds of them winning in that spot uh, were, were almost nil if they punt the ball away. But you, you look at this Eagles team, even in that loss, you felt like they still were in control. Like they had, they, they could, the commanders didn't really have an, an answer for what they wanted to do offensively. And I don't think the, I don't think the Colts are a better offense than the, a better defense than the commanders. I think the, the commanders have a better defense than the Colts do. So I do think this is an, an Eagles team that under Jalen Hurts, as, as we talked about with John a minute ago, I don't think this is a letdown suffering team. I don't, I don't think they're going to do that. I think there's enough veterans in this clubhouse, in that locker room, to prevent the kind of letdown that would cause them to lose in Indianapolis. But this is the first real adversity this football team has faced this year. You lose a crusher of a game. It's a short week. You're going into an AFC opponent's place, a place that's very difficult to win historically for this team. And you've got to get up off the mat. You lost your perfect season. You got the wake-up call that so many fans have been saying this team needed. How do they respond? How do they respond against a team that they should beat? Matt Ryan, as, as good as he has been in his career, I'm sorry, he played well against the Raiders last week. He's not a good quarterback anymore. He's just not that guy anymore. He doesn't have explosive receivers. He's got good receivers, but nothing explosive. You've got to stop Jonathan Taylor. You just have to. That's what you've got to do. You've got to stop Jonathan Taylor, and the defense has to get off the field on third downs. That's the key to this game. If they can stop Jonathan Taylor, and they can get off the field on third downs, I think this Eagles offense can score 
can score a few touchdowns. They can score 27 to 30 points against this Colts team, and they can win. But we saw, for the first time, a team in the Commanders have a combination of things work in their favor to to give the Eagles their first loss of the season. There is some secret sauce now that the Colts can follow, and I think they're a team that, again, has some of the same pieces in place that can do a lot of the same things the Commanders did. And we will see whether on a short week the Eagles are emotionally able to get up off the mat and get back on the winning track. Because I think I think the Packers game with Aaron Rodgers is going to be difficult next week. I, I think that's going to be a hard game. As bad as the Packers have played and as bad of Aaron Rodgers as Aaron Rodgers has played, and he'll he'll have a long week. The Packers will have a long week to go into Philadelphia to get ready for an Eagles team that will be coming off uh, this Colts game. And you'll, you'll be facing an angry Aaron Rodgers. Now, he's been angry all year, so maybe that won't mean anything. But that, that Packers game still still strikes a little fear into me. So this is a game the Eagles, if they, if they want to maintain momentum, they have to win. If they lose this game against the Colts, now you're going to see some worried folks in Philadelphia. It, it, people are going to start to get a little bit concerned. You don't want to, you want that number one seed in the NFC. And yes, the Vikings and Cowboys, that is a huge game this week. You're actually rooting for the Cowboys in this game so that the Vikings get that second loss. And if you can, if you can regain that one-game lead over Minnesota, everybody feels better, you know, which essentially it's a two-game lead because you have the tiebreaker over the Vikings. Everybody feels better. Everybody will exhale. But if the Eagles lose this game, suddenly people start to feel nervous. I'll start to feel nervous. I'll start to panic a little bit because... You'll 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 see the Eagles have lost this game and not be able to respond with a win, so I think we'll get a pretty good we'll get a pretty good a pretty good taste of how good this team really is this Sunday afternoon in Indianapolis. As it is, I'm not picking against the Eagles right now. I think that with Jalen Hurts, this team can bounce back. I think this is going to be I think it's going to be a struggle. I think it's going to be a grinded-out game. I, I thought the Eagles were going to blow the Commanders out on Monday Night Football. Boy, was I wrong. I think this is going to be a struggle. I think this is going to be a 24-20 Eagles win, but I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think a lot of people are going to walk away from this game feeling a little bit unsettled, but at the end of the day, I think the Eagles will move to 9-1 and on the season, and then we'll see how things shake out with Dallas and Minnesota. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks to John Gonzalez once again for coming on the podcast. Don't forget to check out all of our Bleeding Green Nation podcasts. We've got a slew of them, new podcasts coming out each and every day. Make sure you check them all out if you've got the time. And read BleedingGreenNation.com each and every day for the latest Eagles news, notes, and rumors. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. G and